Welcome to Process This, a podcast for the sterile processing community. The Healthcare Sterile Processing Association, HSPA, invites you to log on, listen and learn twice a month. Now it's time to process this with your host, clinical educator, John Wood. Welcome to the Process This Podcast. This is episode number 63. Well, thank you for joining me today. I hope that you are doing well. So the annual conference, in my opinion, was a huge success. We had some great speakers. It was in a great location. You know, for those of you that attended, I hope that you had as much fun as I did. And as always, the exhibit hall did not disappoint. Lots of vendors, lots of stuff, both new and old, that you got to get in, get your hands on, see what it was all about. But if you couldn't make the conference this year, well, I'm sorry. But the good news is you can start making your plans for next year in Nashville. If you have never experienced Nashville, then you're in for a real treat. I heard it's a really exciting place. I've enjoyed it the times that I have been. So again, start making your plans now, and we will see you in Nashville. Well, today on the show, we're talking with Casey Zarnowski and Sarah Cruz about sterile processing, not just an entry-level position. But before we get into our interview today, I want to give a shout out to some listeners of the show. So I heard these folks are amazing, some of the best sterile processing professionals you will ever find. And I'm talking about the sterile processing folks at Spectrum Health in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I'm told that there are no finer folks to work with. So today's podcast is dedicated to you and the hard work that you guys do every day. So cheers to the Grand Rapids SPD at Spectrum Health. So we were lucky to have both Casey and Sarah with us today. Casey is a senior clinical educator for clinical education compliance with Steris IMS. With over 15 years in the discipline, Casey has held sterile processing positions of clinics coordinator, endoscope reprocessing specialist, supervisor, preceptor, educator, and professor at three hospitals and two sterile processing school programs. Casey is the Education Coordinator for the California Central Service Association of HSPA and a regular contributor to industry publications, including Process, Healthcare Purchasing News, and Outpatient Surgery Magazine. Casey writes the Educator Insight column for the Process Magazine and is a past member of the HSPA Board of Directors. Now, Sarah is the CS Quality Education Program Development Coordinator at the Bone and Joint Institute of Hartford Hospital, HAC, Hartford, Connecticut. Now, Sarah is currently the president of the Connecticut Sterile Processing Association. She is a columnist in the HSPA Process Magazine. She has been a guest on this show in the Process This Podcast, episode number 36. Go check it out. Sarah is also a sterile processing certification program instructor, along with industry conference speaker and presenter. And if you didn't know, Sarah is one of the newest members of the HSPA Executive Board of Directors. All right. Well, thank you, Casey, and thank you, Sarah. 
for being on the show with me today. Uh, today we're talking about you know stepping stones, kind of that entry level into sterile processing. So many positions in the healthcare facility are considered entry level. But what does entry level really mean? Many of us who take one of these entry level jobs in healthcare facility end up finding our passion, understanding and growing in our role in helping people lead lives in better health. Now today we're discussing entry level as it relates to sterile processing. As a profession grows in recognition for their integrity and contributions to patient safety, we'll examine our current state of professionalism among the healthcare industry. Before we get started, I would like to do one thing and that's uh, just say congratulations to you, Sarah. Many of you may not know, but Sarah was just elected to the HSPA Board of Directors. So congratulations. Oh, thank you so much, John. I'm so excited to serve the industry in this way. Kind of help me understand why the term entry level? Why are we still using that in sterile processing? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think when we think of the term entry level for the sake of not being the individual that's like, oh, according to Webster Dictionary, I, the term implies that you're starting from a point that serves as an entry into a larger work-related opportunity. And when we view entry level in terms of sterile processing, it almost gives it this idea that your next step may have to be outside of sterile processing. I don't know. What do you think, Casey? That's a great point. So um, entry level is really, um, it's a position in a facility that does not require specific education, training or experience, right? Mm -hmm. And where you're expecting it on the job training for the role. Um, however, the this kind of the strange thing about entry level is why do we use that term? Is it do we mean that we expect you to go into something else or are we do do we expect you to stay where you are? That's why the, the term is, is kind of so unusual and what it makes us wonder why we're even using it today for these roles in healthcare. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's this idea that entry level, is, dare I say, a negative connotation. It has a preconceived notion for definite. And yeah. I am hesitant to say that entry level comes with this idea that it's not worthy of additional contribution. What do you think? Well, um, so first of all, I love what, what you said. I, I agree that I don't think it has so much of a, a negative connotation, but it does have a preconceived notion. Mm. And the preconceived notion is that you have not have gone through a course of education or specific training or experience. So you're right, it, there's a there's a preconceived notion or a connotation for entry level, but is it negative or positive? Maybe it's not that negative to, to everyone. To me, it's not specifically ne a negative connotation, but what I fear is that when folks hear that they're in an entry level job, that they will consider that to be like the end of their journey, like they have to just stay where they are. And that's what made me start thinking about this topic. Is it, is it something that when you do an entry-level job, do you have to stay where you are in that job? Or do you have to, are you expected to go out and find more education and training to do some other kind of job in the facility? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think that touches on the personal aspect to professional development and your career ladder. Because mm -hmm. the path that the professional aspires to or works towards is definitely built on their own goals and their own ambitions. So how are we personally making it available to healthcare professionals to see this entry level 
as a stepping stone or a ladder on the rung? What opportunities are we helping them to see that? That's great. I think what opportunities are we are we offering? That's really that's really good. And I know that's something you talk a ton about, Sarah, in mm. um, all sorts of different venues. What opportunities do we offer those who take an entry level job to grow in that job? For me, and I, I entered sale processing very much entry level. I was just looking for a job, right? I just needed something that was PM shift and had benefits. That's all that I wanted. And, oh my gosh, you know, I looked up, right? <laughs> and I looked around, you know, and I said, you know, I, health hospitals, I bet they have pretty good health care uh, benefits, <laughs> right? <laughs> hospitals. And so that's what I fell into. And then um, I was not even thinking about, you know, going into something else in the hospital, but I just realized that this is a great way to, to care for people and make them better. Um, and so I, I, I found that I loved it. And it was a great opportunity to, to educate as well, which is my passion. So I found my passion in entry level and Sarah, you did too. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think that I like how you use the term job because when I had first joined uh, sterile processing more specifically, it was for health insurance mm -hmm. and that was a big driving point. But when that professional motivation wasn't enough anymore. I started to feel very stuck, stagnant, mm -hmm. frustrated. Mm -hmm. And those were the terms that pushed me to really think of where I wanted to go next. And mm -hmm. I, I believe that that pivot point is what made the job mentality into what I needed to add it to a career mindset. So maybe mm -hmm. it's a mindset shift that takes entry level into professional presentation. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. And I use that the, the word job very specifically when I said that. Mm -hmm. um, is it a job or is it a career? Natalie Lynn talked about that at the annual convention in her presentation about so uh, good. What was it called? A, it's not a career elevator. I think that's what it was called. Right? Sorry, it's not a career elevator. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. So she <laughs> talked about what is a job and what is a career. But if so, the, the question that I would pose to you is if you enter a work area like a hospital, in a job that's considered entry level, does that put you in a certain mindset? And what is it? Is it positive or negative? Um, is it job oriented or career oriented? To me, entry level may suggest, as we said, not negative, but preconceived notion that mm -hmm. this is kind of where you are. And if you want to do something else, you go find more education and more training in order to go somewhere else in the facility. And that's, I think, a little bit of where the, to me, where it does, could have a negative connotation for new people starting out. Yeah. And maybe the negative connotation is your job mindset. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe it is your job mentality that's making it negative. I know that when I was experiencing the frustrated, stuck and stagnant, I almost became an EMT. I almost left sterile processing altogether. And mm -hmm. I think it was because there weren't clear steps for me to take. I didn't know if there was an elevator or a ladder or stones because I couldn't see any of them. Okay. There was, I was on a hill. All right. We were sliding down. All right. So I was ready to, and I was ready to slide on out of sterile processing yeah. just because in other professions, I found clear ways to indicate professional improvement. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's opportunities for success in creating clear indicators and helping our leadership to create clear indicators of growth within the space, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So I was blessed. I, I fell into a wonderful department for my first, my first one. My director, who is still um, is uh, sort of influential in my life, when I, th I think about, I think about what, what she developed in her department quite frequently, 
and she did develop a career ladder. She was great about getting money for the department and money for her tax, for her salary increases. And so when I fell into self-processing, I got super lucky and fell into a place of growth and nourishing, nourishment mm. um, that, that encouraged people to, to move up if they wished. At one point, I was a lead and I even stepped backward and my boss encouraged me to do that from a leader into a, to a, being a preceptor because that's the that was sort of what I really was finding myself loving. So part of it is for me is I, I let myself enjoy the job and found what I really liked about it. And so that helped to make it a career for me because I found what I really liked about it when that's training and educating. And I think that's so awesome because even when you see these traditional career paths set out in front of us, like you're like, okay, I guess the next step is to become a manager. And I've never been a manager in a sterile processing department. Thank, thank God. Like they, uh, they have so Absolutely. much work on I mean, mm -hmm. and they have so much on their plate. Talk about a buffet line. Like they have mm -hmm. dessert next to the mac and cheese, next to the biscuit. <laughs> it's overflowing. So I knew that when I was called into education, all I wanted to do was supplement and take some of the responsibility off of direct management mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. directly relay how they needed their team to grow to build that path for them. It was really great to just be able to take that step back because I thought for sure management was the only opportunity for me. So I really appreciate that you highlighted that in your own story. God, that's awesome because, um, you know, I've met so many inspira inspiring managers, even at that, that frontline level where you're a shift supervisor and you're doing as much work in the department of sterilization as you are leading or scheduling or, you know, doing evaluations or whatever. Mm. Um, and they, they inspire me. And, and as an educator um, and preceptor, I've always wanted to support that role. And it's really interesting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to digress because I'm, I'm a total digressor. But I digress. So like, <laughs> right? so like you and John and myself, right? This is how we're caring for patients right now. This mm. is the way that we're caring for our patients. And it's by supporting those who, those who do the work of cell processing, right? We're, we're like a little bit one step removed from that actual day-to-day -day work. But if I can support the assistant managers and the techs with education and maybe inspiration, hopefully once in a while, then that will help them in my, in my hopes to do their best work every hour of every day for their patients. I love that. And it would, I would be remiss to miss the opportunity to discuss how this doesn't resonate throughout the healthcare or the sterile processing industry, let alone healthcare. And you've seen mm -hmm. it in other professions too, where when we are personally doing well in our space because our departments or our facilities support us to do so, um, it really does translate to the overall professional perception of an industry, right? So mm -hmm. even nursing hasn't been able to be where they are without appropriate representation or the ability to be seen as the professionals that they are more than what they once were, right? We can say nursing has mm -hmm. definitely grown in that space. So you mm -hmm. can only imagine what individual process working towards the whole of a mission can serve an industry. And I just think that that's so profound. And to speak on it, it really resonates and decides how we sound as sterile processing professionals amongst the healthcare industry. And I'm so proud to be a part of that and to even yeah. just see individuals stand on their own soapbox, dare I say, and say it loud. It just brings me great joy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that brings me to um, back to a point that you talked about a minute ago. And I'm going to ask you to talk about how mm -hmm. can uh, entry-level positions lead to a career? I know it's something that you've done tons of thought and writing and speaking on. 
Yeah, and I think that's a loaded question, and I am ready to dedicate. <laughs> I'm ready to dedicate Good. all of my sterile processing writing for the rest of my professional、uh, career, and then so uh, afterwards, uh, just because it's such an unsaturated topic in our professional space. But for you think so? That's really interesting. Yeah, you're right. I never thought of it that way. It is, and you know, because soft skill development doesn't have quantifiable management systems, right? There's no quality management system for soft skill development, and that's what we need as sterile processing professionals to demonstrate the—I don't want to say the authenticity of our profession, but that we are growing as a profession, and that the quality of the professionals that we have is that of one of high integrity, right? So I think that the best way to demonstrate. Professional development is to really create clear indicators of success, and、um, leveraging that ability to leadership to be able to effectively say, "I need you to do this, this, this. This is why I need you to do A, B, C." And then not just creating space for that courageous conversation to occur, but offering a viable solution for our professionals to grow into the leaders that really put the CSS in our succession plan. Yeah,、uh, wow.、Uh, I'm just my jaw just is dropping here.、I、need to pick it up off the table. <laughs> oh, Casey. But, <laughs> no. But, but what about those that like us, like you and and I? And I don't know about you, John. But what about those of us that that really don't care to take a leadership role?、Um, what else can we do for our techs to show them other areas like education, precepting,、um, some things that I've suggested to techs in the past. Going into biomed is a is kind of a cool next path to look at, or、uh, what else is there in the department besides leadership and education? I'm trying to think.、Oh, I'm、yeah. actually trying to think right now. That wasn't like a rhetorical question. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I think there's a sorry. Recently, you know, there's been this trend of using sterile processing folks to move into infection prevention. Mm-hmm. Or into quality and regulatory within the hospital because of the background that they have in sterile processing and disinfection and cleaning. So I, I've I've seen those jobs arise. You know, as, you know, it's kind of been trending in the last five, ten years or so. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more. And you know, just for the sake of being said, I know we kind of hiss them, but vendors. I love when a sterile processing professional joins vendor and their companies for distribution,、mm-hmm. sales, product design. I got to tell you, I work with one vendor rep who actually trained me how to be a sterile processing technician in one of my few first jobs. Really? And I love. Oh my gosh! And now she is at the facility I'm at now, and she's great. We can tell when she's not there because she just gets sterile processing. But I think the important question to ask is, where are you interested? In learning more, because that、mm-hmm. can highlight where you'll transition to. So, if you enjoy learning about Staphylococci and Geobacillus <laughs> and all those spores, maybe you're destined for infection prevention, or maybe you like to look at product design, and maybe you're a late blooming engineer. Well, maybe you can serve on one of those reprocessing committees for Amy and product、mm-hmm. designs. So,、mm-hmm. really sitting with yourself to figure out what you like about your current. Profession will speak to the opportunity that you move into next. Hey, and if you like the new Amy ST ninety one, call me because I know that Mary did a excellent presentation on it. But I'm always looking for more research on anybody who likes interpreting、mm-hmm. standards. I'm just saying. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. 
Um, those are all great ideas, and within the department, there are ideas too. And what I what I was thinking about, what your your talk inspired me about was, I've known people that are in cell processing that are like really techie, like they love the instruments, mm. and people that are really peoplely and they love the people, right?、Mm -hmm. And so, in other in places that I've worked, there are instrument specialists that do that take care of ordering and repairs. There might be a specific person that does scheduling, or a specific person that you could、uh, educator. I'll, I'll I'll go back to educator or preceptor, or just、uh, ordering. You know, so all those roles are kind of there that you can move into if you if you want to to do something other than sterile processing. And friends, of course, we know those that love sterile processing of instruments and the sterile reprocessing. Those、uh, the in inspection and the decontamination, the sterilization. Let's not forget that plenty of people find those tasks immensely satisfying,、mm -hmm. and、um, and a great way to show care for their patients because though the people that that I find like twenty year vets are usually the most detail oriented people in the department because that they like that part of the job right that part of the job is very important and so those folks that are detail oriented already tend to stay in sterile processing and work their way up. In their skills, but、mm -hmm. they like to stay technicians, and that's a great career, right? To be、sure、sterilizing and cleaning and inspecting instruments is a, is a wonderful career, and it, it I think it tends to attract those of us that are that are very detail oriented and and like to like to do things right. We like to do things the right way. I found personally, and、um, I hope that you that you agree, but those、uh, those twenty year veterans who are so detail oriented are also The most thirsty for new knowledge. When a new standard comes out or a new policy comes out, they're、uh, often the early adapters because they say, "Hey, this is a way that I didn't know about, but I can do my job better." Yeah, I call those the OG real MVPs of sterile processing because they're the <laughs> ride or dies and they hold it down、uh, while the newbies are catching on, or the、mm -hmm. professional is advancing to that next phase of their uh, uh, job opportunity into a career mindset. But I think what they demonstrate and why we are so drawn to them in that role is because they have determined what they like about their、yep. profession. They understand that through their expertise, they can lead from any position. And I am not the first、uh, one to speak on the ability to、yeah. lead from any position, and knows I'm not the greatest to speak on that topic. Part of being able to lead from any position is to just speak passionately about a topic you're interested in. Like I really、yeah. like decon because I can listen to my music and no one can really judge me. It's not my favorite place to be, <laughs> but answering the phone and solving the OR concerns and fielding patient safety needs—that's probably、mm -hmm. why I'm on a podcast today, speaking so freely about professional development because I clearly enjoy talking. Right? So <laughs> find what you like and lead from. There, you know, my favorite, my favorite job in in SP was always the phone, the liaison. It might be called, but、um, that's like the most thrilling position to me because you have to be so on, yes, and you have to use all of your skills for eight <laughs> hours nonstop to help our doctors help their patients, and that was always like the most thrilling to me, like running a thirteen line phone, and.、Uh, <laughs> And just like directing people where to go and what to bring was was like the best. You nailed it, Casey, because that's exactly why I like it. I just like 
solving problems. You know, mm -hmm. I like figuring out the root cause, creating a countermeasure for it, and then effectively executing or delegating it to a professional <laughs> that can handle it better than I can. You know, it's just, yeah. that's just where I thrive. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. How about you, John? Yeah. So I've, I, I've, I've had several positions within sterile processing and I mm -hmm. think, I think probably one of my, one of my favorite was was I was a uh, in quality and regulatory for high level disinfection, and oh, cool. my, part of my job was teaching ambulatory clinical areas how to do high level oh, disinfection. That's you know, the and the, the these best. were folks who who weren't trained mm -hmm. to clean or process instrumentation, and so you know they were very willing. Uh, you know, showing them the correct way to do things. They were very willing to mm -hmm. adapt and change and do things the right way. And, you know, it was, it was one of those situations where, you know, a lot of folks were, well, this is, this is how I was trained. This was the handoff that I've got. And so this is why I do it. Yep. And, yep. And, ex and explaining, you know, the reasons why we do certain things and see the little light bulbs go off and like, oh, yeah. okay, yes. Yeah. You know, because there was yeah. never malintent to do anything wrong. It mm -hmm. was just the education uh, to support, you know, their processes. So for me, that was that. probably yeah. one of the most rewarding. I love that light bulb. And I've, I've worked with ASCs uh, in three states and in every single individual I've talked to, like wants to do the right thing. Right. But they don't, yeah. but they don't know that there is sometimes even a, a wrong way to do it or a right way to do it. And it's so satisfying to talk to, um, talk to those that work in clinic settings or, or ambulatory settings and, and let them know because yeah, that light bulb is, is, is a total thing. I love that too. I, I think that's awesome. John, I didn't know you were in quality. You've got so many secrets. Okay. <laughs> Once upon a time. <laughs> oh, no, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. And honestly, like you were talking about the light bulbs and I think it brings it back to the fact that entry level is a relevant term in the world of healthcare, in my own, own opinion, um, which, you know, take it or leave it. That's the beauty of it. Everybody's got one, right? But I think it's a relevant term, but the growth that needs to happen behind it is perhaps challenging preconceived notions on the limitation of an entry-level position and maybe the projections of our personal perceptions on that term as well. And if this podcast does find healthcare facilities, so I hope everybody's playing it very loud in their uh, department at this point <laughs> well, in sure time. Right. They all should be. Yeah. But I can speak to the power of a supportive healthcare facility system and department. I am only able to show up for sterile processing the way that I have because I have that environment. So all the things that you see Sarah B. Cruz do it, just know the root cause of that is because I have a supporting healthcare facility that wants me to be part of the industry. They want me to contribute and they want mm -hmm. me to bring the industry back to them. So there is power in a good support system in our departments, in our leadership, in our facilities, and even in our healthcare systems, dare I say. Well, that's great, Sarah. Um, so if you are in a position of leadership and you're listening to this, regardless of where you are, mm -hmm. um, let's encourage um, leaders and directors and facilities to um, listen to their employees and help them to create new opportunities for themselves where they find their, their interest. That's right. Hope's not a strategy. 
folks. Okay. So I love the planning and the execution and dreams are great. Let hope motivate you. But the execution is in how you strategically build out your professional development. And I just think that that's awesome. And just lastly, you know, if you um, are looking for that type of support, I won't speak for everyone in the industry, but know that there are professionals out there, industry leaders and individuals that want to support this type of professional presentation that you are teetering on. Because if you're thinking about it, that means you're almost there. Just lean a little bit more and find the support you need to have those constructive conversations. Reach out to individuals on, I prefer LinkedIn, um, but we're everywhere. We're hiding. Don't be shy. You can even find John on LinkedIn. <laughs> I'm out there somewhere. <laughs> well, great. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Casey. This was a great conversation. Thank you both for taking time to talk with us as we discuss some of the topics that we are facing in sterile processing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And um, if, I, if I may say to those listening, if you enjoyed listening to our discussion today on the process, this podcast, Sarah and I will be doing this topic as part of a larger panel discussion at the California Central Service Association in-person conference in Las Vegas over the weekend of July 16 and 17. Everyone listening is welcome, and I would encourage you to go to ccsa1.com for more info. Yeah, and you know, don't forget, Las Vegas is all about what happens here, stays here, but not the CCSA. Education always gets out of Las Vegas when Mm -hmm. you attend the CCSA conference. It'll be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Well, that music means only one thing. We are out of time for today. Thank you, Casey and Sarah, again for the discussion today. As Casey mentioned, the CCSA conference is coming up. July 16th and 17th at the Planet Hollywood in Las Vegas, Nevada. You can find all this information at their website, ccsa1.com. Go check it out. HSPA episode number 63 is in the books. Thanks for listening to the show. To receive the CE for this episode, simply click on the link in the episode notes. Log in to the My HSPA website and make sure to use the code Nashville. Again, the code for this particular episode is Nashville. Remember, keep an ear out for the next episode, always on the 1st and 15th of every month. Each episode's on demand, so when you're ready for us, we'll be there for you. And hey, Grand Rapids, stay classy, and we'll see you next time.